0: Welcome to the Science and Beers podcast with me, Mick McGee. Talking science and drinking beers with researchers down at the pub. We cover a new topic each episode, so join us with a brew and let's cheers to science. I have two guests this week. Uh, we have Professor Ian Woodward, who is a cultural sociologist, as well as Sina Bang, a PhD researcher and market anthropologist, and they are both based at the Faculty of Business and Social Science at the University of Southern Denmark. So we're going to get into talk about uh, their research project. Uh, if you want to know more about the research project, it is funded by European Union's Horizon 2020 programme about public spaces, culture and integration in Europe. It's also funded and administered by HERA, the Humanities in European Research Area. I will, I will link to the project website in the description so you can read a little bit more. But uh, here is Ian and Cena to tell you a little bit about it. Hope you enjoy. All right. Cena and Ian, thank you very much for joining me on the Science of Beers podcast. Cheers. Cheers. It's it's cool. We have three glasses of delicious yeah. Kiss an anarchist beer. Mm. Mm. We are oh. sitting just a, a hundred meters away from the main stage of Generator Festival where we should have been having a live podcast with an audience and we would have been talking about uh, the impact of coronavirus on music festivals in 2020. The festival itself was cancelled because of coronavirus <laughs> so, <laughs> so here we are we're sitting in the student house in Owensau um, as they clean up the festival that never was so, guys, we should have been at a festival. Yeah. As academics studying festivals, were you excited to be actually part of the program of a festival? Definitely.
1: Yeah, it would have been really cool to actually talk about uh, music festivals at a music festival. That's a bit of an ultimate goal. <laughs> yeah. Yes, and I guess <laughs> also fun.
2: in this special situation to see, I think, what... Generator was up to was in itself quite interesting. Uh, these uh, being a seated festival with space, like uh, trying to with social distancing and different means in place. I think that would also have been quite interesting from our perspective to be part of.
0: There really haven't been many festivals, especially uh, festivals focusing on say electronic music this year. Uh, the, the poor people behind it, they put in a lot of work uh, for the past few few months to try and get it together, and they found out 12 hours before it was meant to start. That uh, suddenly the, the number of people infected with coronavirus here in as just mm. b- boomed up to 36, and so they were shut down. So, so my, my heart really goes out to those people. Yeah. But let's, let's go back BC before Corona. Oh. put it into context. What were you guys what, what were we interested in in 2019 with regards to music festivals?
1: In 2019, in regards to music festivals... Or before, <laughs> we, we, before, we, before the, the great pandemic. I mean, we were interested in carrying out the project as we described, so we won a grant for the project, or I won a grant with uh, four other people, I think, from uh, from European universities. This is the Festiversities Correct, project. yeah, it's, uh, this is the acronym Festiversities, but it's about uh, uh, European music festivals, public space and cultural diversity. So it's really about festivals as a type of public space in European settings. So in 2019, we were, uh, we were employing people, we were getting excited, we were, we were developing partnerships with big festivals, we were talking to the organisers, we were developing a whole series of collaborations, we were meeting to, to specify all of our uh, techniques of data collection. So yeah, was a good, 2019 was a good year, busy year, and it was an optimistic year in relation to the project. We were, we were out there and uh, very active in terms of working out exactly what we're going to do. I mean part of that is that um we did have a very clear plan. So you to to win money you have to have good people and you have to have a good plan. So we had a clear plan and then the, the goal is to execute the plan. So we were preparing to do that. And uh of course then it was thrown into disarray early, through the early months of uh, 2020 as it became obvious clear eventually that uh, there probably going to be no festivals. We were we were originally hoping, keeping our fingers crossed that that um you know first thought is that ah, yeah by by july august september this should be okay but um you yeah, know that was way too optimistic obviously we we have no understanding of the processes so uh yeah 2020's been a year of uh, reevaluation i guess
0: can, 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 we, can we just clarify again what were the what were the, the aims or the questions of the festivities project
1: i don't have all the questions on me at the moment <laughs> oh sorry hey. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean the main the main aim is this. I mean the assumption is this, um, that that music festivals are such ubiquitous spaces of cultural consumption these days. They are more pop, seemingly more popular, and there's seemingly more of them. And not just music festivals, there's seemingly more festivals. So the, so this is part of the background is that. Um, is that the festival becomes a way for people to be in public space and a way for people to belong to communities and a way for people to have a certain social identity which becomes visible. So the question of the project is, um, across multiple European settings, um, in what ways do festivals create public spaces which are um, uh, important, productive, useful spaces for civic belonging? Given that they're so popular, given that people invest so much time and money and effort into them, what do they do for our societies and what do they, what do, they do for our culture? That's the sort of the broad question that the project um, the project attempts to answer, I guess. I mean, the other part of our project too is, is about the power of music. I mean, music has got this capacity to excite, to bring large collectives of people together um, and to vibrate with bodies in, in, in these spaces of festivals and that's, that's what makes them so exciting. So music, the power of music is um, is also a part of this project. Um, well, so we I, have some musicologists in the project.
0: I can certainly feel feel for that. You yeah. Know, yeah. it's music. Music has the power to like make you wick at the knees, to make the the hair stand up in your right. arms, and goosebumps in the back of your neck. Correct. Um, and then whenever you experience that music, also you can you can hear a song a hundred times, but the, the the you can hear it in, in a certain setting, and you can just get it. You can get it. Yeah. But it doesn't make any sense that you've got it. It just make it no. Just hits you, no, no. hits you right in the heart. You're not going to forget that.
1: It's co-presence. Yeah, right. It's really, it's really experiencing that with other people who are also focused on that. And and,
2: and for us, at least, the, the method that we use, we need to bring our bodies into it mm-hmm. to get it, really. Yeah. Um, ah,
1: yeah, so powerful. Experience. So the powerful part of this experience is transcendence. How do people reach this state in which they're able to transcend, almost feel as if they're be moving beyond and moving and feeling beyond the the mundane, the everyday, their own bodies and so on, and connecting directly with others. Mm-hmm. Music then becomes a sort of a conduit for that. Because it excites emotion, it excites the body, it vibrates, there are lyrics, there are stories to be told, and there's a performer doing this stuff. So it's sort of a, a human a human response. Mm-hmm. But it's also in the context of the of the festival space, a special space, out of t- out of time and place. So this is also partly explaining its power, and then the, the question for us is, what does this do for us? What does it do for society? How does it matter down the line? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Why does this one week or one weekend or three days?
0: Yeah. Because maybe it, it it increases the likelihood of finding that that experience, that transcendent experience. You can tr- you can try and plan for those events. I've tried I've tried myself to try to, to do something. That, that would yep. manufacture it. It's impossible. No.
1: No, that's the feeling. It's got to be done. It's got to come authentically, mm-hmm. organically, as people talk about. And it's got to feel real. And then, if it feels real, then it has power. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so this is part of the trick. And I guess that's why people buy festival tickets in the hope that they will have these type of transcendent experience. Part of the promise is you're away from ha- you're away from home. You're in a special space. You're in a meaningful space. So maybe the chances are increased for that type of transcendent experience.
0: If I go to a Bruce Springsteen concert, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be in tears. I will be, you know, moved beyond. Uh, yeah, so that's bear, that's, like. that's
1: that's your capacity. <laughs> that that speaks to your uh-huh. uh, desire to be in touch with the sacred. Bruce, correct. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Correct. So uh-huh. I guess it's my, it, always a partly just finding the sake. Partly it's finding the sacred. Some, sometimes people plan to find it, like the Springsteen, or sometimes people just find it accidentally. Um, mm. So, mm. so, I guess that's that's part of the interesting question, is what are the, what are the arrangements that need to happen for people to find this type of uh, sacrality um, emerge out of seemingly nothing, uh, or do, do people have to plan it and, and put a lot of effort into finding it and so on.
2: Mm. So and maybe Bruce Springsteen will always be sacred for you, no matter in what yeah. context you're experiencing him. Mm. But for others, it might take like the stars and moons and whatever to be in the right yeah. Yeah. yeah, and festivals plan for that, obviously, yeah, trying yes. to create.
1: That's what they want. They that's plan. a good way of putting it. The stars and the moon have to align. To yeah, they they want this. Yeah. They, they want you know people return if they find these sort of magical experiences. Uh-huh. I mean, a good Party.
2: example is that many festivals will have what they call an atmosphere team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. going to have a She's team on the yeah. festival just to create atmosphere, <laughs> yeah. and they yeah. try that out in different ways and perfect and do stuff. I mean, that's. I think that's a really good example of uh, that. They're they're intentionally trying to create this alignment, quote-unquote, yes. yep. of exactly. the stars and moons and whatever.
1: <laughs> exactly. exactly. I mean, the third thing we can't forget is that people. there are teams behind all of this yeah. designing these experiences.
0: In a lot of places, uh, people's very appearance, the clothes that they choose to buy, uh, even their behavior can be influenced by the music. You know, think of... Uh, Copenhagen, the heavy metal festival. There's a lot of black. There's a lot of long hair. There's there's a lot of piercings. So, you know, there's a, definitely. I hate to use the word typical, but 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 there's a certain look that goes yeah. along with with a genre of music there. So so I guess that 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 touches into what you're talking about in identity, how people. See their, themselves. Yeah, and yeah
1: I, I think that's partly right. I mean, festivals also allow us to congregate, or music festivals, and allow us to some degree to congregate with people that we feel certain types of social or cultural affinities with. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so big mega festivals have a variety of musics, but then you, you mentioned the example of Copenhagen, which is this metal fest. So, um, you know, you're not going to go along to Copenhagen unless you're really into metal, uh, or, or the varieties of metal music, presumably. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, part of, part of the assumption of, of, of music festivals is that they bring people of like-minded um, musical sensibilities. That's why they're that's partly successful because people are like, wow, look at the array of brilliant metal acts. Look at the folk acts I'm going to see over this weekend. You know, for other people, couldn't care less. So, so this sort of music, these musical tastes um, do help us um, affiliate, if you like, with people that we imagine we are but like.
2: on the other hand there's also the possibility at many festivals to to be inspired and to have acquire new tastes Um, and whether it might be a friend pulling you on to a new festival with a taste of music you perhaps haven't quite gotten or understood yet or you just like one band and you figure out okay there's a variety of bands or so so festival spaces are also spaces of of actually uh, learning and acquiring new tastes uh, yeah, I think it, all everyone have been at a festival when suddenly you hear something and you're like what's that thing over there it might not have been on your schedule list of acts that you planned on attending but you end up at a, at a different crowd than you thought you'd be and suddenly you find your Spotify playlist changed when yeah. you come back home
1: I mean this is right so we I mean we and Sina I remember talking to people about this this is one of the very exciting things about festivals is um, that you allow yourself to be taken to some degree, so you surrender almost to the experience. This is a positive way for some people to experience the festival. They might have an agenda, but they might get lost, they might get distracted, they might listen to something that's like, wow, I didn't plan on coming here, but this has blown my mind. Why has it blown your mind? Because it's partly about the surprise element. So mm, that's why people like festivals as well. If we pay, pay 500 kroner to go and see a gig in Copenhagen, we know what we're gonna get for the next two and a half hours. But with the festival, uh, there's also this opportunity for experimentation. So this is also maybe why some people uh, enjoy it. But as Sina said, it's also one of the things that gives, opens open possibility of the festival as a type of experimenting space.
0: Yep. There seems to be different rules as well from society into a festival. I'm remembering maybe back to my younger days, uh, going to, uh, say, Ross Roskilde Festival and... Uh, the amount of people that are, you know, I don't know, lying face down in the dirt wearing a, a tiara in the morning, uh, or, or people, people just dressed the way they would never be able to to dress in uh, walking down the streets, and mm. it's just normal. It's mm. just absurd, crazy behavior is normal at a, yeah. at a festival like Roskilde, and to a lesser extent, Tinderbox. So there's this, uh, there's this. Sorry, before this podcast, like the, the, the hedonistic uh, opportunities at a, at a festival seems to be attracting a, a certain... Yeah, I certain mean, that's one
1: of the, be- the beauties of the space, I guess. Also creates some problems, but it's one of the beauties of the space is that uh, yeah, maybe people feel less judged, maybe people feel able to act in ways which is completely hedonistic or, or indulgent with, uh, with themselves or with others and so on. So maybe, yeah, this is, this is certainly one of the attractions... That you can completely you know, let loose for a week or five days or whatever um, and not be judged around it, so to speak, so no, certainly yeah this is this is important
2: yeah meeting, meeting like-minded open people, mm-hmm. whether yeah that be a, a certain way of dressing or a certain mood or whatever you feel that you have in common of openness in this space
0: I, I talked to a lot of young Danes and and the the trip to Roskilde they almost describe it like it's a pilgrimage you know, it's something that everybody does whenever they're 18 to to 20 and uh, you know it's something that's looked forward to, it costs a lot of money and it's like 7 or 9 days or something like that. It's quite an
2: endurance it's really, really something else at least as an anthropologist you read about these uh rites of passage in the books about some hut somewhere uh, where you really have to endure some tests to figure out if you're up for it. And as you describe right, it's, it's really it's a week of heavy drinking and also of, of actually being in a confined space. I mean you compared it to a Tinderbox Festival and Tinderbox Festival is quite different in the sense that you go home every night uh, into your own bed, you have a proper shower most likely of course, there's a camping option, but it's not—it's not the same space as Roskilde where you stay and you endure this for a week and you live among these other people who are also enduring it for a week. Mm. So it is definitely some sort of uh, ritual to it, and of course, festivals differ in the way that people uh, do it.
1: Yeah, I mean, and also what you what you observe at the beginning is that j- the journey is is just as important as the as this, the gig. Or, or the bands that you see. So the stuff around the music is, is just as important as, as listening to the music. You know, as, as, you, as seen or observed, um, you know, it's, um, it, it, it becomes a rite of passage based around this holistic, this holistic experience rather than simply just, it's way beyond going to a gig. Yeah.
0: 2020 comes along. The big music festivals are shut down. Society's, you know, affected, uh, you know, humongously. Yeah. <laughs> to to, to uh, not to take anything, anything away from it, like, but there, there's a there's a pandemic that's killing people, and uh, there's a reason, there's a good reason, why why these uh, mass sure. gatherings were, were cancelled. But how has that affected your work?
2: Where I mean- should we start? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean. Okay, the formal st- formal story, and then maybe Cena can pick it up, and we can we can go from there. But I mean, the formal story is that we we work we work with a whole series of fairly typical um, uh, methodologies in social science: surveys, uh, ethnographic, ethnographic observation, interviews, and we would be asking people about a whole range of aspects of their to use the concept cultural consumption of the festival. And we would be following them through the festival. We would be talking to them before and after. You know, um, so a whole series of fairly typical ways that you could go about measuring aspects of um, the experience of preparing, being at, and then thinking about the festival after. So it's fairly, you know, and, and quite an extensive data collection phase um, was planned. Yeah. And then
2: corona hit.
1: Yeah, exactly. So what do we what do? We do? We We're just sitting we the We can't night. stop the project.
2: I think it was April, early April press conference and you could just see on social media how the cancellations would roll in on Facebook and Instagram all the festivals and you sit there and you reel through it and you need to make sense of it and figure out okay what do we do now so I think it was the week after I started calling some of the people I've been in touch with already festival goers asking so what are you doing now are you keeping your ticket how do you think about the prospect of this summer without festivals Uh, So I think that was some of the initial reaction from our research project, figure out what are people actually thinking about this? Because as you said, they're quite uh, very reasonable um, for these cancellations. Uh, um, And then the next step was really then, as I said, scrolling through social media, figuring out what's up and down in this. Are there some commonalities in the way people react and also in the way that the festival Mm. organizers are Mm. reacting? So I think that would be like the first phase of, okay, Corona's here, it's for real, uh, it's, this is affecting our research and of course the festival's big deal. Yep. And then kind of as the festivals then started happening, and I say started happening because people are actually sometimes still referring to during festival time, like when a, a, whenever a festival will be approaching, let's say the, the dates of Roskilde were supposed to happen mm. or the dates that uh, Turner Festival was supposed to happen as just this previous weekend. We started to see how not only the festival organizers, but also those who were supposed to attend the festivals started to uh, do a lot of uh, things. And these are a r- big array of different events, like bigger, smaller. Uh, I don't know if we should mention our partners, of course. Uh, we are working together with Distortion Festival mm-hmm. and Heartland Festival and Turn Festival. So those are the ones we are keeping closest eye on. Um, so examples of what happened during those days were, for instance, for Heartland, they made a pick up a flower bouquet at uh, Easdale Castle. Yeah, so b- people could come and pick up this uh, flower bouquet that were they were supposed to decorate, of course, the festival with all these flowers that they. year. Uh, it's quite sew a, it's last quite, year. A,
1: quite a nice story. So they sow the fields at the end or during the festival the previous year with these beautiful wildflowers, and then they expect them to be blooming during the festival the following year.
2: Yes to then be able to pick them and decorate the festival space. So that was one uh, example of an initiative that they did. They also made some small, pre-recorded, very nice, produced uh, concerts with some select um, artists. So that's something Heartland did. But then on the other side, you also see uh, Heartland festival goers then taking matters into their own hands. Uh, I've talked to some who made uh, their own little festival space, created their own banners, uh, having making their own take on what Heartland Festival means mm-hmm. in their area, uh, creating a festival program, even festival bracelets of their own. So these small initiatives we've seen for not only the festivals we're uh, currently engaged with, yeah. but actually throughout the festival season you could see every time a festival was held or was supposed to be held, when you came to uh, to the canceled dates, mm-hmm. so to say, you could see these different initiatives, whether those be online, uh, in a smaller scale, on a physical space, or and then also, of course, the uh, festival goers.
1: Mm. Exactly. So it's like. Um, what and then, of course,
2: we started following those.
1: <laughs> well, you can tell me in a sec. But I mean, what's that? What's that about? I mean, we we think it's a, we think it's really a, a desire to keep the festival alive or keep the festival's essence or spirit alive but in these sort of uh, post-corona or during-corona spaces. So it's a phase of sort of remaking or re-spatializing or rematerializing the festival. Can't go ahead on the site that it usually is, but let's do something to at least remember it and to at least carry on its spirit uh, in, a, in, a, in a safe way, let's say.
2: A lot of people would say, actually, literally, All well, right. I already marked off the weekend or the week. I'm, yeah. I'm, I have time off.
0: Yeah, let's do something. It will
2: be, exactly. Mm-hmm. We yeah. can't just do nothing.
0: Yep. Like, d- remember whenever Tinderbox was meant to happen. Yes. It was hard, hard to sleep, actually, because uh, the, the hoist parties.
2: Right. Uh, I went out to Tooth North Scone to see. Because I'm like, okay, it's the festival space. It's an open green area. I wonder if people are out there. I live in Windsor, so it's a sh- short little bike ride. And I came out, and first of all, when you approach the field, if you've been to f- Tinderbox, you see the entrance area. And a banner was ha- hung. I don't even know by who, but some sort of banner um, memorializing uh, tinderboxes hung and I went over this little type of hill that goes up to the uh, entrance Mm -hmm. and then you start seeing small groups a little bit two girls over there putting glitter in each other's faces listening to music then you see a big group of of youngsters over here Mm -hmm. and they all have matching bracelets and they've made like a little uh, a range of games they have like a little tournament of sorts and then you see an o- a, g- a group of old guys, like 10 old guys sitting, having their rosé wine. And so, so you saw these scattered small groups doing something on the festival space.
0: Mm. Wow. It's, it's like, that, that, that's, uh, that's really kind of, yeah, it's it's what's the word? <laughs> Honoring the festival in, in, yes. in, a, in a strange way? Correct. It so the festival really had, had a lot of meaning for those people. Like they went to the, yeah. to the lengths of making themselves a, a fake
1: armband. Uh, and well and well beyond that, yeah. well beyond the armband thing, there are lots and lots of little things like that that they did, yes, which, so which you would consider really actually unusual. Actually, later
2: the same day, I was invited to a uh, garden party, uh, also a mini festival, and they had made there again their own little... Usually what people actually do when they have their own uh, mini version of whatever festival they're honouring or celebrating, they will uh, create a little spin to the name and then... Uh, Make their own, they also made their own bracelets, and they mm. made different uh, areas around this little garden. Uh, so, for instance, they had the magic box. They put uh-huh. up a little uh, swimming pool, like children's swimming pool, and that was the magic box area, uh-huh. and so on. So, in that sense, people s- uh, recreate a lot of the things from the festival, mm. which is also, from our research, quite interesting then to see uh, this yeah, sense of... Of course, we're talking with the organizers. The organizers, of course, have a vision for what the festival usually is what they want it to be like in the future but Mm. suddenly we're seeing uh, these festival goers taking it in their own hands like they're literally they tell about how they literally okay it's it's cancelled then they sit down we have to do something and then they start planning okay what do we need like Mm. for instance now we were in Turner um, and they told how they sat down and wondered what should we have at the festival space here in our garden and they talked about how they would sit and then think about these different elements and um unlike other festivals turner festival is comprised of tent stages mm-hmm. rather than these big open-air stages as we know from f- for instance uh, tinderbox um, so they have decided to make several tent stages so they have rented a party tent and called that tent one that's like the biggest tent on the festival usually then they had a small uh pavilion type of tent that was tent two and these types of things, they uh, mm. try to recreate and... and
0: that, that, that's so interesting because at any point of the year, you could do that. You know, exactly. yeah, but, you but, could. But, but people say it means much more to them whenever it's associated with a, exactly. with a festival. And they exactly. also
2: they go in extra effort mm. to do something <laughs> special about it.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, you, as you say, it could have happened any time of year, but it, but it also points to the temporal importance of festivals through the calendar. You know, so, um, so it is at the heart of summer or the end of summer and so on. so this sort of temporality is important um, to people. Um, and I guess that also points to like, yeah, we know we know the festival is due to be this weekend. We're going to experience a, a whole sense of emptiness if we don't do something with our friends who are usually here in Tuna this weekend. So it's partly its reaction to sort of um, so, so to deal with that sense of, um, of loss a little bit, I think.: well,
0: that, that word emptiness is, is, a, is an interesting one.. So, so yeah, that, that would
1: apply to that. It's probably the first time I've used it in relation to our study. So maybe you have, I'm not sure.
2: Well, but I think I have a lot of people describing yeah. emptiness, yeah. as yeah. we just talked about. Yeah. Maybe you've taken a full week off from work, and you had set what you were to spend this time on. Yeah. And you usually spend that time on it every year. Well, then it's bound to be empty.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if, if that doesn't happen then it causes yeah I mean maybe it causes some relative upset you mm. know to people um, it's not the end of their world but they also feel as though they need to recover that recover from that feeling in some way maybe maybe but that's, I think maybe
2: that's that, that emptiness is also then what drives people to then go the mile and right. arrange a mini festival in their backyard or, mm. or whatever kind of initiatives they feel to compensate or to honor this yes to not just dwell in this emptiness
1: yeah, exactly. So, at, at the bottom line, it really points to the the, the relative, like, f- the foundational sort of importance of the festival in people's leisure calendars, but also in their, fa- in their family and friend calendars. Yes, so I have. <laughs> actually, calendars. over this
2: weekend, I had multiple talk- people talking to people about Tuna Festival who said, my family knows that they can't invite me for anything this time of the year, this weekend, this particular week, because I'll be at Tuna Festival. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. they just know that. As you said, it's structuring even families' calendars yeah.
0: like yeah. that. Yeah. And th- so, people had time, at least, to plan what they're going to do instead of a festival. Yes. But the, the the poor people that were scheduled to be a generator, listening to us on stage this very moment, <laughs> they didn't not really have time to to do anything that's, to substitute. The that's
1: the tra- that's the tra- relative tragedy of this occasion yeah is that there was no warning so to speak uh, it was planned the equipment's here the setup materials are here it's all okay. waiting to be set up but it's sort of sad that it can't on the um, other
2: hand i've also heard some for the festivals that were cancelled well in advance that now suddenly they have opened up their calendars again they might have moved they're holidays now, so okay, they have work anyways. Or mm. a confirmation might have been moved, so now they actually have to spend it on that. Mm. Whereas I could imagine easily also this weekend now that we have some... Suddenly people have a free weekend. Mm. They may have some girlfriends or guys that they were to hang out with. And what are we doing Saturday night? Well, come to my place. Yep. I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised this weekend if we... Uh, uh, if we hear on the streets that people are, <laughs> are still celebrating somehow, it might not be as uh, uh, as well planned out or scheduled as some of these uh, no. eternal events, for instance. No. But I could definitely imagine that.
1: So, so partly, yeah, this is, this is about remembering. I mean, maybe there are commercial interests in it for festivals. But, but more, more important, equally important at least, this sort of symbolic remembrance, right, to to make sure that it stays in our minds, in our hearts, and so on. Given that it is so, it is such an important event in the calendar for various reasons. Yeah. So, yeah, this remembrance dimension, I think, has been important this year. This honouring, maybe, as you as we've said.
0: Yeah. So it it sounds very positive the the stories you have about the people trying to recreate their own festivals. But did your, your questioning also find people that are a little bit nervous and, and really sceptical about getting into a large gathering of people because they're, they're genuinely anxious about, yeah, about I corona. mean,
1: we, we half expected that we might see people um, on the festival fields of these festivals that we were visiting, but we, we didn't, generally. Maybe, maybe, maybe a few in Tinna Box and so on, but, but, but not so many in the other examples that we've been following. Mm. So, but
0: I, I guess if you go to the actual ground of the festival, you're going to find enthusiasts there. It's the people that, uh, that are still in their, in their apartments and don't want to come out that are still anxious about the, sure, the, the, I mean, the virus. And, and they would also be part of the, of they course part of the festival community last year. We
2: have been somewhat seeking out those doing something interesting. Some yeah. people yep. have, of course, also just refunded their ticket or yeah. transferred it to next year, yeah. waiting until yeah. next exactly. year. Or intending a confirmation or whatever would then fall into their calendar. Yep. Um, so, of course, that too
0: So you, you you both published uh, an article called COVID co in brackets bid creation yeah. of music festivals and you were drawing attention really to, to how it has affected the uh, uh, project um, and in the article you, you brought in the the metaphor of rain, rain? not even a metaphor not like even a metaphor.
2: Also a a metaphor, but Mm. actually also rain. Rain as something that pours down from the sky and suddenly you have to deal with it. Uh You have to deal with it like, will my tent survive? Will Mm -hmm. all my stuff get wet? Will I have wet feet? Will my rain boots keep me out? And then of course the organizers. Will I have a super muddy field? Like it's... um, I'm sorry if you had a question prepared. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> the question was just to elaborate on the article. Yeah. It's a random agent. It's a metaphor, but it's also as a, as a thing yeah. pouring yeah. down from the sky that you have to deal with and that fundamentally changes the way you experience and make the festival. Yeah. Um, and also something that a lot of times the festivals have to adapt to as they go along. Okay, will we have a sunny week or will we have a rainy week? We don't mm. know. Mm. And the reason for drawing on this analogy of, of rain as a metaphor, but also as, a, as an object pouring down from the sky, is that COVID-19, in a sense, have been this to the festival. Suddenly you have this invisible thing around us in the festival space, and you mm. need to take account for it. Mm. It's very new and exotic, you could say, compared to rain. Festivals have been, and festival goers have been prepared for rain for a yeah. lot of years.
1: I can enjoy it. As well. so they can also enjoy it, yes, yeah. but it, it's, it's, a building. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. it's a It's of the
2: festival, for better part or for worse. Yep. And suddenly you have this new, and that's the pointing back to this sense of COVID creation, in that whenever you're establishing a festival, whether that be from the participant side, that you're establishing these experiences, or from the organizer's side, you are co-arranging with all these things around you. So that could be the woods of Scannable, it could be Tusnorskorn of Tinderbox, it could be that flat field of Tuna or the streets of Copenhagen for distortion but you might also have rain or you might have sunshine or in this case you have (laughs) COVID-19 and COVID-19 is a little bit different from rain and that's Mm. kind of what I guess we're everybody is coping with and learning how to Mm. live with and co-organize with this
1: year. Correct so then then organizers audiences festivals need to take account of uh, COVID into into the near future. Um, as as an active agent yeah. in the way in which they organise their events,
0: if if the festival generator was to happen, the one we, we were meant to be a part of, they were taking a lot of precautions. It was uh, limited capacity at different venues. It was uh, hand spread everywhere, and and seated uh, one metre apart. Mm, you know, mm. so, so they were really really prepared. And if it wasn't for uh, the overnight rise in Corona cases, the the festival would still happen. So there was
2: yes, and they have. I think they're really. Strong example of co-creating with Mm COVID-19, because uh, we also just had a chance to have a brief, brief chat with the uh, organizer a second ago, Tina, Tina. again, talking about how they have constantly been in touch with uh, authorities to figure out a way to do this festival, Corona, Mm
1: -hmm. safely,
2: right? And that is really a a great instance of co-organizing. And that's, of course, the interesting question, for how long will we be co-organizing with Corona?
1: Correct.
0: Well, if you're listening in the year 2025, and we're, we're still, uh, still no festivals, um, gonna, you have the answer. You know the answer.
1: <laughs> I mean, what, what will happen next year? Exactly. And how I do think festivals think about what they can do? Because, I mean, talking to festivals, uh, the people who are organizing them and making them, we, we know that they have to start planning early. You know, they have to start a year ahead or nine months ahead um, to oh, make, you,
0: you would book your artists at least it, a year in advance. Exactly.
1: and then you've got to then if you're booking artists, you've got to be working around numbers, you've got to be working around ticket prices. you've got to then be working around the, the type of spaces you need. So for them it becomes a difficult set of questions about how they how they play it for next year, I think. You know, is it going to be the same model? Or can they bank on it being the same model that it was back in 19? Uh, do they need to come up with new models? Probably not the same as 19. Uh, not not this close to the pandemic. And even if it's disappeared somehow, or mostly disappeared by, by summer next year. Um,
2: It'll still be fresh in everyone's memory. Correct. That's the thing. I think when we, in, in April, had all these refunded tickets, right? Everyone mm. was... and our, ourselves included, or at least myself, <laughs> was thinking there will be a return of the festival as we know it next year, right? right. We'll ride this off. I think now, and also I think, I think Generator and, and other smaller festivals uh, are great examples of really um, this late summer innovations. Okay, Corona is actually still around.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: What can we do? What can we do within these limits of what is safe? Okay, social distancing. So far, seated concerts seems to have been uh, key, or at least uh, uh, assigned mm. seats. Yep. Uh, that you're maybe not going to the bar yourself, but somebody will bring your beer to you. All these small types of initiatives. Maybe also you will see masks being part of the. So that's the mm. that's the uh, reality as it is right now. And of course, <laughs> neither me, a, Ian, or I can know what will be gone, going on next year. But at least I think we could, you could. Um, you could think of maybe this late summer innovations as perhaps uh, yep. some of the tools, at least, that festivals could be working around for the future.
1: Correct. Okay. I mean, I, I
0: don't see a problem with wearing wearing masks. You know, if you want to come to a festival, everybody wears a mask. Is
1: yeah, as long as you can drink and breathe. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, that's right. So people, people can accept, people can learn or, or mm. adapt their behaviors or modify their behaviors to accept that. If the festival is important, if seeing this band is important, hanging with yeah, then maybe maybe people learn to accept that at least in the short term, that things definitely can't be the same. So yeah, Sina's right. There's so there's a there's a sort of a, a change that has to happen about how we think about our bodies, our social bodies in space, and how we how these are monitored in relation to other people. Given that the virus can still be around, we need to reassess um, assess and, our sociality.
2: But I also think this year's. Um Responses to the cancel festivals, all these initiatives by festival goers and by the organizers, these alternative ways of uh, celebrating the festival, I think, have proven that they're not just going to go away. Mm -hmm. It's not, okay. let's say the pandemic is full on next year, too. Hopefully not. (laughs) But let's say it is. I I really don't think there will ever be a scenario where the festivals and their uh, festival goers will just give up, just plain out, say, okay, Mm -hmm. we lost it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems to, to be such a willpower to do something, mm-hmm. whether that be these uh, Corona initiatives, <laughs> Corona-friendly initiatives, or pandemic-friendly yep. initiatives by the organizers, yep. or even those doing the garden party things. I asked those guys who were talked about, told you about from Turner, what about next year? And their first response would be, "We'll support the festival. We'll be full on." And then I gave them a little bit more of a serious look, and they said, "Well, if it's also cancelled next year." then I guess we'll have to do this again, pointing yep. to this tent that we were sitting in while we yep. had the conversation. Yep. So there seems to be a willpower to power through.
0: There's something that our core cool, likes to get together and have exactly. a good time. Right. So exactly, right. <laughs> <Yeah, no. laughs> <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. Cheers.
1: Cheers. <laughs> and this is a good one. Uh, mm. Was it I, know, I love the, I love the, the logo. Moon. Moon.
2: Good.
0: So whenever I was I was uh, a student trying to figure out my, my career path, uh, the careers council was talking about you know biology or things that I was good at. He never he never actually said that, you know, if you wanted to work in, at music festivals uh, as an academic, you could pursue that. Hmm. So so for me this this it, it is it is fascinating that uh, that there are, are people addressing the questions the academic questions what how important are music festivals. For the community for a sense of identity what do we miss whenever we don't have any festivals how did you guys get into this line of work
1: yeah i mean i never started uh, thinking uh, i guess okay my career is longer so i can think about it uh, i can answer first maybe <laughs> but i mean uh, but but um yeah i never thought i would uh, never had this idea that festivals would be my perfect uh, point of uh, uh, this perfect sort of project that i would aspire to do 15 or 20 years whatever after my phd Um, You acquire skills, you acquire competencies, you acquire CV, and then that puts you in a position to to look for opportunities. My research has always been about cultural consumption. Um, My research has always been about um, how people, um, um, the types of socialities people have uh, amongst each other uh, or or with each other and the meanings of those types of interactions they have. It's also been about the ways in which objects create certain environments for social action it's pretty pretty abstract academic stuff but it's always got an attention to what people what people are actually doing through through talking to them through interviewing them interviewing them or through observing them and so on so um uh,
0: but you, I, your your research also has uh, like music has been a, a constant thing rec-
1: recently not not so much i mean uh, in the first maybe 10 or 15 10 12 years of my my uh, career i always had an interest in music but i but i didn't want to study music because i was also trying to address uh, more broad theoretical questions, or more um, yeah, more broad, more more broad um, field theoretical questions. So I shied away from studying music, but then I built built a certain type of um, credibility around studying materiality, a certain type of credibility around studying spaces of social interaction and social mixing through studies about cosmopolitanism and through studies around material culture, and then. Then I thought, like I devoted a certain amount of my career to all of the strict things you need to do as an academic, and I thought, yeah, I could write a book about vinyl records, Mm -hmm. I could write a book about small record labels, I could run a project about festivals. So it sort of, I don't know, it develops organically. Mm -hmm. And there are also opportunities, I mean, um, part of the the, the story here is that um, funding bodies also want researchers to study real social spaces. And so, um, or in in our case, real social spaces. So festivals are an important social space that that recognition.
0: Well, well, I I don't work for the commune, but I know that the the, the communes around Denmark put in a lot of money to to funding culture, uh, exactly. a, a lot of money to to fund festivals, and you know they 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 want the people that live there to stay there. They want them to have a good time. They want they want the, huh. the, the, the government want people to. Enjoy themselves. Yeah. They want it's the about money to circulate. Quality
1: of life, quality of public life, and all these sorts of things. So
0: there's many reasons politi- politically why you would fund yeah. a festival for Correct. for other people. Correct. So so, so it, uh, it it affects a lot of people, and there's a lot of people involved in the music festivals. Exactly. What about yourself, Sina? What, what was you, <laughs> How did you get into
1: this?
2: Well, I would. I think the short answer would be that Ian got me into this. Mm-hmm. Um, as he already said, he's the lead of the project, and he won these money for festivals. But my interest, of course, in participating uh, resides in my more general interest in studying everyday life to some sense. Uh, my previous project have focused on everyday life um, and also material interactions in everyday life, spaces, how they are made up. Uh, so through my time as a student, I have studied uh, feeling at home in dormitories in the U.S. In the U.S.? In the U.S. And I Where have I guess you were living at the time. Yes, I had a semester for the purpose of studying it. And uh, most recently, before this project, I studied the use of the menstrual cup, another everyday uh, technology and material interaction. And then festival, I mean, I know it's not an everyday interaction in the sense that it only happens once a year. But then on the other hand, how many people do you know that have never attended a festival? It's such a common thing, uh, whether it's be an uh, asparagus festival or a music festival, mm-hmm. a local festival or something that you travel for. Uh, so that was really what was kind of became my entry point and interest in this project. Something so common, like why is it that this is something we're so commonly uh, um, fascinated and willing to participate in and keep on participating in?
0: Do you have an answer to that question? <laughs> 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 Not yet,
2: but I think definitely as we've already discussed this year, in a sense it's a privilege and this by no means should sound like I appraise the situation that we're in, but in a sense it's a privilege to actually, when you're trying to study the importance of something, then it's actually a privilege to then see, okay, what happens when it's lost, mm-hmm. when, it, when it just is taken away from you. And then of course, as we have seen so far, they don't just get lost. Uh, new things aspire, um, so in that sense, at least what we can uh, conclude for now is that they they keep on being important.
0: Well, I, I, I guess as Joni Mich- Mitchell says, you don't know what you got till it's gone. Uh, <laughs> you know, people uh, just say, oh, take it for granted, maybe that okay, the festival's going to come back around, but yeah. then if, whenever it's cancelled, it's wow! I actually, I actually really, really miss that festival.
2: And that's also where we see a lot of people actually wanting to support the festival, and. Mm-hmm. Um, we just uh, When we picked up the second beer, we talked about these bracelets and both Ian and I am, are wearing support bracelets um, mm. uh, that Turner, for insta- Turner Festival, for instance, have produced. You buy a support bracelet for 100 kroner. It looks like a regular mm. festival bracelet, mm. um, but you're supporting the festival. And when you're walking down the streets of Turner, you're also showing others that you're supporting the festival. Mm. And many festivals have taken this opportunity. And even more interesting also, the, the festival go have, have requested it can you make a merchandise, can you make us more merchandise so we can buy it? Or hmm. I've seen people from Smokfest asking, do you have the 2020 tents? I want to buy a tent from you guys, the tents that they usually put up for their audiences. Yeah. So people have really been requesting, in what ways can we support you guys? Uh, and of course the festivals, I think the most, some of them have been producing these different types of merchandise or opportunities for support, like the festival bracelet, um, but then also, of course, a way of supporting the festivals have been to transfer your ticket for next year, not asking for a refund, mm. uh, keeping the capital for these festivals. But mm. that has been a really s- strong move like that.
0: Well, well yeah, so some of the festivals, they, if they re- refund everything, they're, they're, the festival will not come back again next year.
1: Yeah, so it makes me think that then, in a, in a way, what we're really studying is the, sort of the, the responses of communities To this type of um, COVID trauma, in a way, right? This sort of um, this this widespread um, this widespread feeling of loss, but could translate as a type of social trauma. And what we're really looking at then is how people adapt in resilient ways, how they keep their communities together, how they keep their families together through the festival as a way of as a way of being, I guess, as a way of being social. So really this is this is in essence is is how the the um study has changed this year is that we're really looking at the the way in which people keep stuff alive, how they keep their their social lives and their community lives happening, and the festival becomes a sort of an important vehicle for that an important way of um of continuing it and, and making it happen mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah.
0: I'm yeah. curious, to, curious to read the results, the conclusions.
2: And yeah, the, I mean, you can yeah. always follow our website <laughs> they will if of, yeah. you want. Uh, yeah. Or Twitter. I think we're quite, we're probably more active yeah. on
1: Twitter. The, the website is good and we'll continue with blogs and so on. There are blog entries that we but that advertise through Twitter.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Ian and Sina, thank yeah. you very much for joining me on the Science yeah. Beers podcast. Cheers. One last cheers. Let's go. Thanks.
2: Pleasure. You're welcome.
0: I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Science and Beers podcast. I hope you've been inspired to create your own at-home festival until the festivals are back in action again. If you want to follow the progress of the Festiversities project, you can do that on Twitter, at Festiversities. I'll put a link in the description of this podcast, along with a link to Cena and Ian's uh, Twitter handles, if you like this podcast, if you're enjoying the podcast, please consider uh, telling a friend about it. Please consider writing a, a positive review about it. You can also support our Kiss Mayor Beer Fund at Patreon.com forward slash Science and Beers. Thank you very much.